have you on more than once you said this is only oh, yeah. one of your this is only one of your three favorite movies right it's, it's might even be it might even be top five so top five really it's getting bombed i don't know a little i don't know yeah <laughs> no no i don't know i just i struggle with deciding on no i know what you mean things. i i mean yeah. I, it the, the whole podcast is a cop-out because i'm waiting for someone to ask me what my favorite movie is and i'm just gonna I'm going to say, well, this isn't really about my favorite movie, is it? And just completely steer the conversation. <laughs> that's clever, though. That's how you, yeah, that's how you prolong. You have oh, to, yeah. The day you answer it is the day you fold. Yep. Pot ends that day. <laughs> pot ends nice. that All day. right. Well, thanks for having me on, pal. Dude, yes. So uh, this is The Juice. It's supposed to be called The Juice. Now that it's officially out and I've uploaded everything, it's... I've seen that there's a couple more podcasts named The Juice than I had thought. I thought I did my research. You know when you think you do your research and then turns out you didn't do your research so thoroughly? So it's definitely The Juice, but it might be some kind of The Juice with Mike Monaco. The, uh, for, for me, the podcast is The Juice is what I've been rolling with. Just so that way I'm able to get searched, you know what I mean? And then maybe kind of like the... Kind of like the ghost thing. Ghost had to go to Ghost BC for a while because that other band was named Ghost. And then That's eventually, right. eventually they were just like, you know what? That no one listens to the other Ghost band. They're just ghosts now. <laughs> they just punked them. Uh, right. Funny enough, I have an Intervals origin story that actually is along those lines where there was another artist and I reached out and uh, made, a little, uh, made a little deal, so to speak. Although I had I had nothing to really offer. But it was more really? so just some di- diplomatic banter in someone's DM like 12 years ago. And I managed to make off with the name. That makes a lot of sense considering the name. I, You know, when we when I had first heard the name Intervals, I was yeah. like, that, that I can't believe no one's thought of that name before. Like when you hear even even as old as they are, like the band, when you hear like the band is from like the 50s, you're like, Right. I would have assumed that there'd be some kind of band. Although back in the 20s and 30s, it was all like, you know, uh, artist and his band or whatever it is. Yeah, but still, absolutely. But, but still. Um, but either way, Sweet. this is the this is the juice. Um, it's a podcast where I talk with my friends and other musicians who I look up to about their favorite movie. I have on the pod with me today, Aaron from Intervals. Aaron, you are you are Intervals. You are Aaron Intervals. It has it, it has two uh, it has it has two incarnations. I, I'd say there's there's uh, most of the time intervals, and then there's um, up to no good rowdy rolling dice with the boys on the road, just doing crazy stuff. Intervals. Yeah, that's that's the intervals that I think I might know the best. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so so we first met in. We first met in, I guess, four years ago now. A little, uh, it's Ooh. coming on four years because that twenty nineteen, yeah, that tour started in March, so it's coming on four years now. I'll never yeah. forget the the first time that I met you and the first time that I met Justin. I've so you're the third of that tour that I've had on the pod so far. I've had oh nice, 
Justin, who I just released an episode today, and then I did Jacob. Uh, and so you are Thanks. the third, and uh, and um, figuring out scheduling and stuff like that. I have no idea what the order of everything is going to be, but I'll never forget the first time that I met you. Very nervous because it was our first real full U.S. like of any kind of note. And you came up to me. I was playing my guitar, just like kind of like, whoa, this this is a lot, you know. Even even for just, it was just a lot all at once. And you're like, like the jacket, and and it was like, I was oh. like, this this tour is going to be pretty cool. And the first time that I had met Justin, he was flustered. He was dealing with a customer who was giving him a hard time. Not so, surprised. Uh, yeah. So, so my first interaction was he was nice, but he was short, and I was like, oh, he he's he means business, serious man. Yeah, that's a serious um, guy right there. Absolutely. But so we've we've known each other for four years. We've been on tour together twice, and uh, yep. we're friend we're friends. We talk a good bit. Absolutely. It's it's nice. So. And and I want to say that one of the things that we don't talk too often about is movies, but but when I asked and I came up with the idea and I was like, let me just reach out to a bunch of friends and see, especially creative friends, because that's a big part of this, um, kind of doing the comparable between movies and music. And I think part of what pushed me too is, you know, when you a lot of times you'll go up to or you'll notice a reaction from someone who's in a band get a lot uh brighter or just just kind of uh happier when you bring up something that isn't music when you're on tour like someone brings yes. up someone brings up hockey to Nathan you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, and he, that that's a perfect example <laughs> and he lights up and i was i was just thinking about it like you know how many how many music podcasts have you done right oh yeah Exactly. And, and just music them. and just music conversations and whatever. And so it's nice to relate something like movies back to music. And yeah. I so I came up with the idea, you know, a handful of months ago and uh, the original incarnation of this didn't come to fruition. But I just, you know, I, I revamped or whatever, but I, I prepared for that first time regardless. And so I'm kind of dancing around it right now. But for you, the juice is Speed Racer, the Wachowskis 2008. I'm going to say it, masterpiece Speed Racer. Masterpiece, thank you. Uh, yeah, let's start strong here, absolutely. Yeah, we have to give it the credit where credit's due. And it's probably a strange choice. I know you said that Justin was totally taken aback by the fact that that was my my pick, but I think it's probably because I've had numerous encounters with this movie, mm -hmm. and... I've often thought it's worth it's worth the autopsy. Like it's oh. it it it's so deep. And the funny thing was, so I'm, I'm watching it with uh, with my girlfriend last night. Uh, I had to subject her to that, and uh, <laughs> she was definitely confused. And uh, and uh, she went on uh, probably Rotten Tomatoes or something just to get a feel for like where is the internet at with Speed Racer. And it only had 40%. And I said, okay, you need to dig deeper on that and tell me why. And and the funny thing is, is people are hung up on, and I think this is more of an indictment of like, like very basic audiences or like yeah. the, the, the archetypal movie watcher that the number one gripe with the film was lack of, was lack of continuity or that there was no, that there was no premise. And I wild. immediately, That's a wild I, thing. Yeah. And I would immediately like to counter by actually conceding that that might be the reality, but then 
showing my displeasure with the fact that you don't understand that a piece of art doesn't necessarily have to have either of those things to be a quality uh, embodiment of what the director or filmmaker is trying to portray with that. And furthermore, it's based on a classic uh, mm -hmm. Japanese story. And if you look at any, well, not any, but uh, the majority of early manga, uh, anime, Japanese literature, like these things don't necessarily have a chronological arc. If you think about the universe of any of these animes, like pick just to use a basic reference, like Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Yes, there's like a story, but for the most part, scenarios are just happening and it's all about vibe. It's like something's happening. This defines the characters in this moment. It's not about what came before or after it. It's that this is happening and it and it, and it determines um the the role of these characters in the larger like in the macro and it's not necessarily about a straight line so it's an indictment of the watcher to walk away from it and go i didn't go from a to z so therefore it's a bad film it's like no you're closed-minded in your approach to actually enjoying what it was supposed to convey that's my take yeah on top of that the 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 people that that came to that conclusion after watching this movie that's the first thing on the brain was not cohesive in terms of story. That's insane to me. And and it's kind of probably people who I even though I, I want to check something really quick. I want to check sure. the Rotten Tomatoes and see if this is audience or critic. Because I have a feeling that 40 okay, critics sounds about there. right. Yeah. And and it's funny because it, it's in either tip, it's like if one's tipped one way it's always like, oh, there's a good reason I might enjoy this. And it's for both. Like, you can make the argument for both. If it's like, for both. Uh, audience is high, but critic is low, you're like, oh, well, maybe this is just like a really fun movie or just was looked at weirdly at the time of its release, which I'm I'm going to with this. Yeah, okay, so 40 uh, critic and then 60, critic. 60 audience, which I think is still too low. And okay, so I didn't even understand the distinction. That goes to show you how, how often I uh, watch movies or the, read reviews. Because sure. I didn't, I didn't know there's a distinction there. So that's interesting to me. So it's less the viewer and it's more the critic. Okay, carry on. And sometimes, sometimes when it's high critic, low audience, you're like, oh, I'm in for a good one too. This is, I think that this movie uh, is fu fundamentally misunderstood, and probably the the case being at the time of its release, because I think it's aged so well, especially dude. one the the Wachowskis themselves being kind of. Uh, directors and just visionaries who their stuff ages well the further apart like think about they put out that cloud a cloud atlas movie or um what's the am, is cloud atlas the one i'm thinking of there's there's another one that people clown on a ton but but the reason that a lot of their stuff outside of the matrix gets clowned on so much is because they're constantly taking big swings they're and all huge think about you were talking about i'm completely unfamiliar with the world of anime and manga but i know enough to know that this movie is trying to look different and it's trying to look like the actual animated they're trying to recreate some of those i assume it's kind of like cartoon panels and stuff and and that kind of vibe right and you mm -hmm. that's a a perfect word you you used before vibe this movie is this movie is a vibe it's all but, vibe but it also has a story that makes sense which is the the thing that, that i get I I'm like hung up on that, that anyone would have that as like a, because it's a through line, right? It's speed. He essentially, 
he grows up not in his brother's shadow, but as like, he's got someone to look up to. And the, the through line is he's growing up and he's understanding what his brother went through. And, and you know, there's a clear race, a race, B race, C mm-hmm. other thing. This movie's got a lot of racing and I love it. Oh, goes fast. Love it. And, and there's a lot of substance in terms of just like the big, bad corporation too. And that's why it hits so good right now. Like I thought that, um, just the juxtaposition of characters, particularly the even the existence of a guy like Royalton. And, yeah. you know, it's just like it's so fitting for right now, which dovetails back into what you were talking about, about these types of films aging really well. That's a 2008 movie that yeah. hits like it was made yesterday. I agree. I agree. And so that's that, you know, so fucked up. That's like 15 years ago now. That is oh, so everything. Not, not only film, music, all that. That, yeah. I'm pretty sure 2008 is probably like death of a dead day era six. So for other prog heads, <laughs> they know like that's when that's when things were really so, happening. That's when like a piece of mute art like on CD or DVD Blu-ray yeah. whatever would just blow your mind at that time. It's like it's so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. The 2008s. I'm I'm thinking back to so we got Speed Racer. That's Obzin. That's Colors. I oh, think dude. it's. There's yes. there's a lot of the a lot of very dope stuff that it was all happening. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Uh, we're already talking movie. I want to ask yes. you about because I I think one of the big reasons that I wanted to have you on and I was so excited about Speed Racer being your choice is because <laughs> you well it makes a lot of sense. I listen to your music. I listen to the creative choices that you make, and it's a sure. lot of it's based on vibes. And there's clear structure throughout you know, all of your songs, but that doesn't mean that it's a formulatic, formulaic, whatever you want to call it, however yep. you pronounce it, I should say. Um, you had it. A, A, B, A, B, C. You know, there's there's obviously, it's a journey that you go on and it makes sense and you kind of ride the wave or drive the car wherever yeah. it takes you. Yep. And so Absolutely. There's, I, I want to, before I dive a little bit deeper into like the creative uh, aspect of it, as well as kind of, the sponsorship aspect of it because you actually have a little while it's a you know not the same world as race cars i'm sure that you feel some of this maybe even it's on a small scale with like the kind of having to choose small big whatever kind of deals get thrown at you different companies want you to use their stuff essentially and obviously yeah, absolutely with without you know throwing anyone under the bus or anything like that but i'm sure that you've got some feelings about how certain people have pitched you on certain things and you felt more comfortable or like some people were being more sincere than others you know yes. i know that it's not quite as big as like fender coming to you and being like not only just being like evil and then your dad makes guitars and he's like you know <laughs> it's not it's not quite that but it's the you know, there's there's some kind of varying there that that would make sense for for where you're at especially having just signed on a handful of months ago a year ago really with with Schechter. Mm-hmm. yep you know there's there's some overlap there and i've had an interesting sort of journey with with that side of things and i've had like love hate moments with all of that and um i'm yeah, at a place now where ultimately I am happy, but it took a long time to assess like how to find, you know, working with people that, you know, make it easy to do so. And there's not, yeah. you know, too many strings attached or in yeah. in the case that I'm in feels like virtually none, um, which is the way it should be because 
these these things should be you know symbiotic and mutually beneficial but effortless at the same time right and yeah. um you know and and there was also a time where i was really frustrated with a lot of that stuff too and feeling like no like i you know there's certain things i'm not willing to do and i just want to be you know uh, a bit of a vagabond you know just like an outlier do whatever and i mean i still do feel that way uh, you know i mean i'm surrounded yeah. by like lots of varying tools and things in here and they all have yeah. a different purpose and i think that life isn't uh a, you know i think that there's room for commitment in some capacity but it's also about variety and it's like that's the hard line with like art and like you know tying yourself to the mask in any way it's like i want to feel uninhibited and free to do whatever and not have like this you know concept of like i have an obligation to a brand yeah. or like a brand is the reason i'm doing it's like no like the idea is paramount and then what you intuitively reach for to convey that idea should be unobstructed completely yeah. you know so in the in the context of the film it's like you know Royalton is presenting speed with like this, you know, the most like lavish everything. It's like super, super over the top. And then the minute he doesn't get what he wants, he just launches into like the most incredible monologue. And in fact, that part of the film is what's made me feel like numerous times. I need to rewatch this movie. I need to take it in again. I really want to like, I've, I've there's actually times where I've I've wanted to um, maybe even like sample um, oh, quotes yeah. or mo moments from the dialogue. The dialogue is incredible, and Roger Allen in, in in particular in this film is just like so dialed in, and he did such a great job with that. Um, but there's one quote that I've been I fixated on for a long time, and I always would forget it. So last night was the opportunity for it to happen again, and me to write it down. So yeah. I, I did. I took I took a note, and oh um, yeah, in his monologue, um, as I was like having the thought, oh, this is the, one of the most relevant, um, you know, sort of uh, archetypal stories for especially now with everything that we're experiencing, yeah. uh, in this crazy world that we live in. Um, he ends his rant with, um. Uh, this one liner, it's incredible. It's all that matters is power in the unassailable might of money. And that yeah. line, I've been looking for that line for a really long time because it's so, such an unbelievable like bow on the end of this crazy string of just like truth bombs. He just lays on him. He's like, oh, like you're not yeah. going to do what I want you to do. All right, well, here's why you're a fool. And here's why everybody's out to get you. And this is why the, how the world is rigged. He like literally tells them Santa isn't real. The yeah. two fairy isn't real. Basically <laughs> everything you've ever loved is, you know, is all a sham. And it's just an incredible moment, you know? It It's a really good, it's a really great moment. He plays a really great bad guy. And He's I have best. to, I, I don't want to lose my train of thought because I have the, the John Goodman kind of comparable to when he tells him, Oh, this stuff's rigged every, you know, and he's just like, what? That guy's an idiot. You don't trust, you know, you don't trust evil people. I, I, I love John good. John Goodman's so good. But before I Best. lose my train of thought with that, I have a quick question. Um, yeah. He, so you living in Canada and growing up in Canada your whole life. And you're, you're not a hockey guy really, but it's all around you always pretty much. Right. For the most part. Are you familiar with Elliot Friedman? Do you know who Elliot Friedman is? I couldn't put a face to a name if All I right. tried. No, sorry, buddy. Well, the, the, the guy looks exactly like Elliot Friedman. It was a quick... Uh, this guy looks like Elliot Friedman. And so 
you growing you growing up and living in Canada, I was like, I wonder. Uh, you know what it no, is? No, he strikes me more as uh, uh, who's the bell? Who's the bellman um, in uh, Home Alone? Oh my God! Um, what's his face? He's in Clue and, and, and the oh, hotel. Uh, last name's Curry. No. Yes, it's it's Tim Curry. It's Tim Curry. Tim Curry. He strikes me as a British Tim Curry, or is Tim Curry? Tim Curry's American, right? Yeah, I think he is. He's just very proper yeah. in a lot of his. He's roles. like he's like a disheveled. He's like a disheveled, like uh, portly uh, British Tim Curry type. Sure, but like, but like evil. <laughs> right, right. Um, and Tim Curry can play a good evil, evil guy, e- evil, evil he clown in it. He, evil clown. Yeah, that's in right. It. <laughs> evil clown in it, and 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 in in, in Home Alone, he's pretty like he's mm. still kind of like. Oh, he's a little mysterious, a little shady guy. Like, oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 causing havoc for Macaulay. Um, <laughs> he's he's really yeah. giving him a hard time. He's giving him a hard time. Yeah. But, so yeah. Before we get a little bit further into the movie, I I do want to ask because you know, like I said, this we don't when we talk, we often talk about music or exercise or or any varied other interests. Sure. What's what's your relationship with movies? What was growing up your relationship with movies like, and how do you look at them as entertainment versus art, or both essentially? Uh, yeah, I have a. It's, it's weird, which is why when posed with the question, like, you know, what what are your top three or whatever, or pick a movie, let's do a podcast. Like, yeah. I I yeah I, I I struggle because, um, I don't know, like my relationship with movies. Uh, when I was younger is, is, is good would go see everything when it was new, basically in the, in the theater, if possible, or, uh, yeah. you know, would watch a lot of stuff at home. Um, I remember when my, when <laughs> showing my age, I remember when my parents got like the first DVD player awesome. in the house, awesome. you know what I mean? Like, br- like yeah. it's, it's, it's new at the, it's brand new. Nobody owns these things. Oh, this is so cool. And, uh, it's so funny that you're going to find such a typically me response, but like what we got into watching on the, on the DVD player before movies or anything was yeah. live concert DVDs. Okay. <laughs> we you watched like, yeah, my, me and my dad. So my dad, big movie guy, but also big guitar guy. And so the, the DVDs, I imagine that we both had a couple G threes kicking around the house. hundred percent. And that was the reason my dad ultimately took me to Massey hall. And I saw G three in person too. Who, um, who was the third? It, who was the third for when you saw them? Now I'm seeing awesome because that was my, <laughs> I know that it changes over time, but my big, and they put out multiple DVDs or whatever, but the, there's the one so that, many good ones. The one that was played to death at my house was uh, Ingwe and Vi and Satriani. Oh, perfect! Yeah, the ones I had on DVD, I did have. Um, I had Ingwe on on DVD too, but uh, uh, we also had um, uh, Petrucci, of course. Yeah, I believe yeah. that one was shot in Japan. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and we also had Eric Johnson, yeah, which Austin, is you know that's Austin, uh, uh, Austin, Texas limits, whatever it is. Uh, I don't think it was. I have. I don't think it was G3 at Austin City Limits. I've seen the Eric Johnson at Austin City Limits. That's, that's the one I'm talking about. Just the just the Austin, just the Eric Johnson oh, yeah. Austin one. Yeah, that that we had as well. But uh, no, yeah. we had the G3 with 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 Eric as well. And it was so crazy cool. too because um, we saw. So I saw Yingde at Massey Hall in Toronto, legendary venue. Um, yeah, we had been watching G3 at home. So when my dad got us tickets for that, it was amazing. But then yeah. a number of years ago, um, would it be a number of years later from that time? But only a few years ago, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, I think it was 2016. 
uh, I got to go to Massey and I went early at soundcheck and I walked to the stage and stuff. And Yingbei yeah. was there and everyone was there because Tosin was doing Generation X with that's cool. Um with Nuno and Steve Bye, Bye right? and yeah. Zach Wild and Yingbei. And um I got to um check out Tosin's rig on stage, walk the stage, check out soundcheck. I was a guest for the show. Uh-huh. Um uh shook Zach Wild's hand in the green room downstairs and everything. He's a was cool totally guy. Wild. He yeah, seems like totally. a cool guy very very kind um they all they all were um and uh yeah so that was that's wild but okay so as far as the the, the, listen though the first music dvd though the actual first one though that got us all excited on live concerts um g3 was in the early uh lineup for sure but no the main the first one was supernatural live carlos santana oh cool okay I've got a buddy who's playing like he's playing in like a Santana band right now. And so he's like hot on he's hot on Santana. And he's like, how much have you deep dived this guy? And I was like, "Uh, you know, my my dad's got a couple of CDs kicking around, but uh, I need to I need to do a little bit of a deeper dive, I think, of Carlos. Well, I think, you know, I I love the material and I respect the material. and, and, And to me, there was more allure from the 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 concert, the production itself, the band. Um, you know, I think that Santana's a legend and I think that he's important to the guitar, he's important to music. Yeah. Um, I still don't relate to the tone and like the overall okay. like the squishy vintage thing. Like it's it's so funny. Like um when I, I got to know um the PRS uh, line of products more intimately and everything. This is funny. You weren't I, you weren't gonna get this away from music. You never were, by the way. Um <laughs> uh that's pretty funny. Uh but uh I, I just yeah I, I still don't necessarily connect there which makes me always a little bit like a coy with like that but right I, I do recall that the songs and the vibe of watching that on DVD and everything was like so cool and that had you know it had an everlast feature and Rob Thomas and all that stuff was going on like that was the oh, era yeah. of that and it was live in concert you know and then my dad found like Imaginary Day Live by Pat Metheny and he's like playing oh. in like a vineyard in California and like that's the stuff that like so okay so we're watching dvds this is we yeah. love we would go to like uh you guys don't have it in america it's um best buy has um uh bought this small chain and took over all of them in canada but it used to be called future shop here then best buy came and bought it all but we used to go okay. to future shop and we would rummage through the dvds and we would find stuff like that it's like so, our fy uh, like our fye probably oh no future future shop's identical to best buy you get all your stuff oh okay all okay. your apply everything i see yeah, what you're yeah. saying but saying. we would go to the feature shop because they had a DVD section. We would find the live DVDs. I ended up working at HMV in high school, which you also don't have in America, but that's a British CD store. It's that's um, more like FYE. That's, that's it's always it's always been one of my like I always wanted to work at a record store or a movie store. Yeah. Or like somewhere ideally that has the the spots that when I'm on tour and it's like you got two hours, what's the venue around? And I'm I'm like records and movies and usually like a big record store that's got a used movie section that's that's man i feel like i would have done so well at that job in high school it would have been perfect yeah Yeah, and i was selling movies there too i mean hmv um was you know they still exist now um but you know the 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 everything i'm sure has changed everything stripped back all they i'm sure they sell funko pops now and it's you know you got it they sell all that nonsense and then like they'll have like 
you know, mainstream cuts of vinyls and like right. more, it becomes a more novelty type thing, but no $50 reissues. Yeah. 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 People would come in and special order movies though. I would spend like my employee discount, like my money that I'm making part time on ordering live concert DVDs. I loved studio DVDs. Um, see sure. again, you were never going to get me away. You were never going to get me away from music. <laughs> um, but we did watch a lot of movies. Um, yeah. I've got some, you know, some, um, certain films are like definitely have like burned a hole in my brain um i'll be completely candid with with uh, your audience that um you know speed racer is definitely imprinted in there um because you yeah. know probably the first time i ever took a tab in high school was was watching was watching you know speed racer and i wanted Knight. to <laughs> i wanted to get to this because this is uh, when you told me that this was your favorite movie it was almost immediately followed by well i did drop acid in high school and see it in theaters and i had no frame of reference for visually what the movie was like was i in high school that. in 2008 i don't know that i, I didn't see it in theater or, I, I watched okay, I watched okay. it I, yeah i watched it at a close friend's place we had also done the same thing and watched disney's bolt on his uh description as well uh, not okay. the same night but um uh <laughs> very a very colorful character um and uh last night i i don't know if this is possible but maybe it's just how good the the graphics are in this particular moment but i swear i had like a mini flashback last night when the zebra <laughs> when the zebras come in in that in, right. the, in the final chase when the, yeah. when the everything is just like crazy transition and the black and white is like rippling on the sides and the zebras are like running like it's like ink block graphics or something like that yeah last night i just lit up again last night i just went what is happening like that is one of those incredible moments where like i felt the same way i felt the first time i saw that i went holy moly that is one of the craziest things i've ever seen it's and the whole film is like that though and i and i i'm a you know it's funny uh you you know uh, the the videographers that i, I work with um yeah the majority Mike of them, and you know, Mike and Randy yeah. and stuff and they always i have a running bit with my you know with my video people uh whenever we're messing around you know whether it's in an edit or it could be while we're filming i'm always like give me a star wipe you know i love a, i love a sliding <laughs> transition and the movie is oh, my. filled with them the entire yeah. movie is one giant star wipe the whole you... thing is just transitioning across you really do love those too. Now that I'm thinking, just just about, and it makes sense. It looks so smooth and cool. It's sick. Well, it's incredible. It's incredible. part of the reason. Cool. Part of the reason why I watch this movie, and I, I think about like this makes so much sense that Aaron loves this so much. Like not not just because it's good, but because like it absolutely fits your vibe, both visually and like. If if this makes sense, like the mute the music is is really cool and good and, but I I feel like I equate the visuals to your type like I could hear your music over this movie and be like that's a perfect fit that's kind of where my I, brain goes and I zoned in on the soundtrack a little more last night because you know when you get into a third or a fourth watch of something you can kind of yeah. you know and of course under the guise of having to speak about it the following day I'm really trying to pay attention to certain elements that maybe I wouldn't otherwise. Right. And of course, the mu the music always does stand out in 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 a given film. But um, the scene where they go into the where I believe it's um, I think it's the is it the Casa Cristo race? It's the one where they're on oh, the, the track middle where the middle race. The one, yeah, and it's the one where they like pull into the mountain range where there's no cameras and they sort of all get out of their vehicles and have a negotiation and then. And then there's like a, almost right. like a fight sequence as well. And then they all peel out in a different order and then they're back on the track. During that sequence, the music 
is insane. Drummer is absolutely killing. The whole thing is super yeah. progressive. Yeah. I like I I was looking in the wiki um for the uh for the uh the composer. Um yes. his, his name Michael, is here. Music by Michael Giacchino. You're gonna know Giacchino. better than me. Yeah, yeah, Michael Giacchino, so yeah. This this dives into at, at the end of the pods I play a game called You Just Got Juiced. And and it's basically like a multiple choice, and it's more of a vehicle for conversation. And one of the questions is who did the score, and and so save oh. save. I, there's a couple of other. I'll, I'll talk about the score later. There's. I won't look at the wiki again. No, 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 no. Feel free to. <laughs> you you're you're absolutely allowed to. Um, but well, well, let's talk about him right now, just really quick. But basically, it's just he just seems like a guy that works. One of the questions is going to be who did the score. You got you got the name right there, which honestly makes sense that you would because you hear a score, you hear music in a movie, or you just like the vibe of the movie, and you go, "Who who did this?" I I do you ever listen to scores or anything like whether it's reading or anything like that? I feel like there's a lot of composers and just scores for movies. Like Matheny did a couple of uh, scores for movies in the '90s and '80s. Um, yeah. There's a really good drug one, Falcon. Uh, I oh, I just watched this like maybe a year or two ago, and and it's like, it's it's very cool. It's like a very cool Colombian drug bust movie, like someone's okay. undercover, but it's got Pat Metheny music under it. Like it's it's so cool. That's wild. It's so. I cool. gotta check that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, not that hot on uh, OSTs a lot of the time, to be honest. No, like sure. because when you separate it from the visual. I find that I find it to be disjointed. It's not the kind of music that affects me without the visual, you know, sort of rep- representation of what's happening, especially considering, you know, often, oftentimes how the movie interacts, uh, like how the visual interacts with moments within the OST are so predicated on like the timing of a, of a particular line and a sting that happens in the track or something. And like, you know, they, they give you like more of the, like, you know, interpretive, largely interpretive musical cut, for lack of a better description, in the OST when you listen, but none of it has really too much relevance other than like, oh, okay, I like the motif. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, um, I I just recently watched a season one and two of um, that uh, White Lotus show with my girlfriend. She was okay, super into sure. it. She wanted to rewatch it. I saw, yeah. you know, heard it was good and she coerced me into it. I finally <laughs> agreed to do it and then I ended up like actually getting into it. But there's, I have a love-hate relationship with the motif in the opening credits and they evolved right. it in the second one it's a little bit different like um they use the same core sound and the same um melodic motif but um some of the elements changed around it and it i i find it to be intentionally um uncomfortable and i know that that's obviously the intent of the like that's the goal of from the composer it's got this like really rigid yes. triplet feel and um and then and also they just use this like very like kind of a clandestine like very sterile like uh synthesized vocal sound that i just like I- i'm struggling to connect with it and it takes me it took me away and then in like the episode of the last season was where i finally was like oh i think i get that thing but like it took me like 14 goes through it to to like wrestle and sort of negotiate it in my head and i still don't really like it when i think about it so it's weird but i need the visual i need like 
you know, the little yeah. cartoon monkeys and the cheetah with the flowers and the whole thing to like make that make sense. I would never listen to that on its own. My girlfriend was like, if this came out of the club, I'd be like, I'd be like, what? Absolutely not. Like, right, this right. Is, I just don't like it personally. So I struggle with OSTs. Like, you know, we have friends, I'm sure, who in our, in our world that say, you know, they'll like list off a bunch of their influences and they'll chuck Hans Zimmer in there. And then right. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I think what he does, you know, in the context of a film or like the Trent Reznor, Hans Zimmer thing right. is cool. But like, I don't OST so, without the visual is weird. Zimmer Zimmer's one where I'll I'll I, I like I, I do and will listen to some scores once in a while. But my big thing is I'll listen to them while I'm reading. I think they're a perfect companion for reading and you can almost attach different kind of vibes to a different story and that's worth trying that's yeah. worth trying it's not bad and then you can pull i i find myself pulling melodic ideas from some of these things and just like even if it's like a three note passage or something like that and i'm like that sounds cool and and i'll i'll pull that while i'm watching a movie or something like that but then i'll maybe you know i i don't quite pull it but i know i like the vibe i'll clock it and i'll look up the soundtrack you know while i'm I guess, you know, to put on while I'm reading or just once in a while, I'll kind of I, I will also use them as uh, a buffer in between. Like, I don't know what I want to listen to right now. Let me just throw this on for a minute because it feels a little bit uh, easier to abandon Tra something like that in the middle of it. Transitional. Yeah. And and the one I will say that you're going to call me a psycho for this. But have you ever seen Dunkirk? Uh, no. Dunkirk is so Zimmer did the score for that and that's one of Christopher Nolan's it's like his shortest I think but it's it's just a war movie and I shouldn't say it's just a war movie because it's fucking probably my favorite war movie but it's pretty short <laughs> and it Harry Styles is in it which is pretty funny I don't think he even has a speaking role um which is he just wanted to work with Nolan but it's it's such it's such a vibe in a way that is so aggressive and like Hey, here's war. You're thrown into it, and I got so much out of this. It's this like, and it's this this feeling. And I was like, I'm gonna throw huh. this on at the gym. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the score at the gym. So it PR feels like music. I'm at, it feels like I'm at war while I'm yeah, working yeah, out. Yeah. Okay, so so we we talked a little about this this guy who did the uh, soundtrack, and just because. Uh, we were talking about him. Just I, I listed out a couple of other things that he's done. He's just a guy that works, and so these are just some of the things that he's done that you'll absolutely have kind of just clocked, and and you wouldn't even think that it was the guy. Um, okay. But The Incredibles, Muppet, The Muppets, Wizard of Oz, Mission Impossible Three, Cloverfield, Jupiter Ascending, which is I was thinking of clouds. Wow. Oh, Jupiter Cloverfield. Ascending. Yeah, Cloverfield, Cloverfield, which is another. Uh, wow. uh, Cloverfield Lane's Goodman, but uh, um, yes, Cloverfield just the the first one, which that that was like right at the end of high school for me, or right after I forget. Yeah, yeah, that one was big. That one was big. But he's still he's still working. Just did all the Jurassic Worlds. He did the Batman, um, uh, the new Buzz Lightyear movie, Jojo Rabbit, Zootopia. He, the guy just works. It seems like. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just he's also he's also clearly into a bunch of different like you know the music for something like Speed Racer is so particular because you've got so many different vibes happening within the theme, but then you have to you know I'm I'm sure you you picked up on there's a melodic motif that gets referenced at triumphant moments or yeah. are very emotional moments that they're bringing back. Clearly, that's from the original. 
you know, that's associated with the original cartoon or, yes. you know, whatever the first in incarnation of, of Speed Racer was. Um, but then, you know, you have to stop and think, and I had this thought, I don't know if you connected the dots on this as well, but, you know, Paul Gilbert's band was called Racer X. And yes. if you think about, the, and if you think about the Japanese sort of affinity for, uh, enjoying, you know, music on the more virtuosic side, it only makes sense that there was like some progressive like drumming and you hear some like, you know, interesting guitar lines and like really angular horn shots, like everything's super, yep. you know, it feels alive but calculated. Like, like in, 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 during some of these fight sequences, it sounds like the band is jamming, but like they're hitting all these things. Like it's very well composed, you know, and then and then you you stop and you think about those connections and it's like, oh, this, this is the intersection of like you know the japanese like sort of like hyper realism thing and the love for that kind of music um yeah you know, i'm even thinking with, of yeah i'm, crazy. I'm thinking of I like i know that you you've you've you probably know that cassiopa record uh with the just the red race car on it um there's, oh yeah there's, there's so much there's so much jazz fusion and like from the 70s and 80s like just like you said that just it sounds like racing music and it also like it, they won't even hide. Like it's just got like a race car on the cover or something like that. It's just the vibe. Like you said, of this kind of, I mean, it's an association yeah. that we draw hundred percent. It is. I mean, for me, it was like my first game console was the Sega Genesis and I was playing Sonic. So going fast right away. And yeah. then, you know, and then you get into, and it's funny because some, you're, and yeah, like, and, and, and a lot of the time people do, it's a trope within, I think, the progressive music world. And perhaps I do wear my influences on my sleeve at times, but like people are like, you know, oh, this shit sounds like some F Zero racing music, or it sounds right. like Sonic, or it sounds like, you know, it's, 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 it's partially true. I mean, I suppose I'm I'm subconsciously influenced by all that game music, well, Wave Racer sick. and stuff. Yeah, like it all sounded incredible, you know, and I grew up playing that stuff right before I got into sort of putting the controller down and doing more music, but I yeah. have a nostalgic affinity for that sound. Um, although I think sometimes it's verging on, you know, uh, a little bit, a little bit on the cornier, more tongue in cheek side, but I think that stuff is, I think that stuff is cool to me now. If yeah. you're self-aware of the thing, if you, I, if you're doing something with the intent of it and you're not, you're not, uh, getting uh, secondhand uh, embarrassment from your own piece because you're you're unironically doing the thing with conviction. Then I think it's a it's a it's an expression of of the art. And if it's a little bit of nostalgia you're bo bottling up and then you know conveying your way, then I think that's acceptable. So like I I, I I've come to terms with that personally and tied those you know tied those uh, sort of. Um, uh, parallels back to you know perhaps why maybe I lean in those directions and then like once you once you're like at terms with that then you can embrace the thing and then yeah. it can be part of your art um, and you can temper it good, against the other things you want to do. That's like a good point in just like wearing your influence on your sleeve not being a bad thing where you can kind of take that in stride and be like that it's it's there's a reason I like this stuff it's awesome it's awesome and, and you know it's only at times where you know it's not like i don't know i like i like that as being like a hey i i love this and here's why and i'm gonna play music like this because it's fucking awesome oh, absolutely and i i when i'm composing and it's funny you know i've been sharing demos with you now i'm, in, I'm yeah. currently been writing music and everything and 
you know, these are the things I'm thinking about. Like you'll finish a piece of music or you're sort of like negotiating an idea and you're like, you know, where does this thing come from or why does it exist? Or like, it still, you know, sounds like something that I would do, but what is, what is the, you know, the seed at the, at the heart of the thing that, where does it come from? So I'll give you an example. I sent you a demo yesterday. Um, yep. Great that, song. Uh, Great song. That has, oh, thank you, man. Yeah. And, and it's the, the I think I sent, I might have sent a few, but this is the more like a dreamy kind of synth pop kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, there's a feature on the tune and stuff. Um, that song to me, uh, like, I was sort of wrestling with this exact thing. I've been having this thought like, like recently where it's like, is this, is this me being tongue in cheek about a thing or am I openly embracing what I think this sound is trying to like, tell me where it's coming from. Like, this is like a certain nostalgic thing that's obviously presenting itself. So like, do I need to like be cagey with that or do I need to like lean into it? So I'm thinking about like, okay, well visually how does this thing get represented and what is that sound? So to me it's like the verses have this feeling of like 2000s uk garage where it's like i just discovered like drum and bass and like a uk kind of garage sound and like it's like these really dreamy delicate synths with like trashy drums right and and i'm like this is giving me that feeling and then i started seeing like 2000s like y2k chrome bubble letters and i'm like no they, you have to embrace that thing yeah. like, this is the this is the thing you know bands like bring me the horizon have been leading into this lately you see sure. stuff like this for sure they wear it on their sleeve and i think that that is how you do that you don't just kind of like have a brush with the thing and be like oh that was a coincidence it's like no you need to actually like look at the thing and you need to like be at terms with it and i, I kind of think that if you're not it might not be worth following through on. I agree. You know, I'm starting to feel that way about certain ideas like that now. I do. and I, I mean, you were saying that Bring Me the Horizons kind of channeling that. I think the 90s are coming back in like a big way right now. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, I mean, I was born in 89, you know, I, I'm like, hey, 90s, I, grew, I, I grew up through that era and, the t- you know, so 90s and early 2000s was like, yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's where, and this is where we're discussing a 2008 movie. So like this yeah. totally checks out. Oh, yeah. you know, like this is this is the vibe. Um, and there's just so much like I do love the way the music complements everything. I think that visually it's unbelievable how good that film looks for 2008. How expensive was that damn movie to make in 2008? That must have been insane. Yeah. So I know that it technically was a bit of a flop at the box office, but I hundred million dollars is a flop in 2008. And we saw that last night. He brought in a hundred million at the box office. Okay. So let me, let me take a look at what the, uh, what uh, it cost to make the budget was. Yes. (laughs) And and you, you have to also keep in mind that like Hollywood will like people will. Okay. So it made a hundred mil at the box office. You said, that's what we saw last night. I, I she she looked it up. I don't know what the reference was. Budget was one twenty. So oh wow, yeah. I had it. I had it pegged at half of what it pulled in. So it took more than wow. That's incredible. For what it's worth. For what it's worth. Like I I am I am fascinated with box office and like the way that Hollywood will 
market movies and the way that they give up on movies so quickly where it's like and, and you know what it's the same thing with music too though right it's the same thing where someone puts their heart and soul into something and you see so often like you know i'm sure someone's been working two years on something comes out it's not catching on immediately especially nowadays it's coming out it's coming out it's not catching on like fire it's almost like well we're stopping and we're we got to do something new now and that's you know we can't kind of try and push this a little bit more because it's not going to work out and i'm sure that there's numbers and graphs and and like trends that support that as an idea but it's also like so anti-art in a way it's it's Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a bummer but the the thing about like specifically movies is it's it's i feel like so hard for a movie to lose money over the course of time like no there's no way it's it's like insolvent like it it, it's to me it also feels a bit like a cult classic although i always catch people off guard when i bring it up so i guess a lot of people didn't even know it existed as well it's coming around to be a cult classic there's a twitter that i follow called is speed racer on 4k yet because there are like you know and there's like a thousand or two thousand people that just like they just are demanding like a 4k of speed racer and, and well, it should it should exist and it oh, should yeah. have been and it should be an IMAX 3D and the whole bit because this it would thing be, uh, yeah would look unreal in an IMAX re-release just like it, it probably looked so sick in theaters at the time and and it's I'm chalking it up to people didn't get it and the people who do who did get it were just few and far between like it, it a lot is of people it don't is. get a lot of things man one of my favorite albums i believe i'm gonna actually just do a quick check to make sure uh it is a 2008 record because i believe it is uh, let's see uh i'm gonna tell you right now i want to get that oh 2005 oh shit okay um okay. say say hello to sunshine by finch which is an album that their entire fan base and everybody else didn't understand and if you go back and listen to it now Super ahead of its time, super relevant right now. Incredible songwriting, unbelievable mix. Everything about it absolutely rocks. Of course, they were like a completely different entity before. They probably uh, discovered a tab somewhere, uh, sure, or something growing out of the ground under a tree somewhere over <laughs> there, and uh, and then they completely on it on a dime just pivoted into this like way more like third eye is open, and we're just channeling this whole new thing, and like they're following did not understand nobody understood what it was that they were trying to do with that it is absolutely legendary and it for me there's so many things like this where i've always like i don't know that i'm attracted to the underdog or the like the the black sheep or whatever but like yeah i do always find that like i have i sometimes get drawn to these types of things like speed race is one of those things say hello sunshine is another one um there was uh something recently uh uh, there's a human abstract record called midheaven that a lot of people like are like you know can take or leave and it's a weird one but like there's stuff on there that's like really really good so you have to give those things a chance sometimes and just because it's not getting critical acclaim by everybody around you yeah um, doesn't mean it's not worth a second listen or a second watch or something like that you so know, often, um, so often you'll see, yeah, music and and movies a lot where it's just like, yeah, people didn't get it. I I know that Vertigo is a perfect example. Hitchcock's Vertigo of like at the time, people hated it. People did not like it. the The reviews for it were were not mixed. They were bad. And now it's like on all of the like sight and sound top. It's you know of the top one hundred movies ever made. It's in the top 10. It was number one at one point, I believe. Like it, it, it and and I'm sure there are there are rec- plenty of records that you can also pull stuff like that or bands even like yeah. think about think about Cynic. Cynic like 
they they you know they put out focus in what 91 or something like that and then they broke up because the reception was just so middling or bad when they went on they went on a cannibal corpse tour i believe and and it just it wasn't and they're like ah whatever you know it didn't work out and then you know whatever 2008 2008 trace and air trace and air 2008 they come back and and everyone knows the worst of the focus stuff and they're like where were you where were you sometimes it's such a weird such a weird thing yeah and there's a lot of that um, in, in all these mediums. And sometimes things go over heads and sometimes yeah. the echo chamber or the silo isn't like immediately like coordinated in its reception of a given thing. And that can stifle the something getting off the ground right away, which is, you know, pretty un- unfair, I'd say. And like, also let's ask ourselves like 2008, what was going on at the time that may have dissuaded individuals from becoming engaged? I mean, it's like the housing economy only completely imploded on itself in America. It still pulled in a hundred million dollars in the box office. Everything yeah. was completely on its, on its rear end at that yeah. time. So it's a funny time. Do we care about this? Like, you know, a fanciful, right. like right. excessive, abundant, like movie that like, I can't even, I just lost my house. Like, I don't know. You know, I'm trying to think like, right. what no, was that's- happening. That's a good, and I'm sure, and obviously there are movies from 2008 that did super well too, but but that speaks sure. to the kind of like, you know, you got to pick and choose at certain times what you're going to see and what you're going to... A movie like Speed Racer is made in the spirit of abundance. It's not made right. in the spirit of essence. It's not right. something that we needed that. It's something that like they thought the culture like you know, uh, just could, you know, here's this offering, like, but at the same time, these things are also not necessarily revered by everybody because there is no like immediate obvious pop culture surface reference in there. A lot of people don't understand what Speed Racer is. It's not a Dragon Ball Z film. It's a classic Japanese story um, yeah. that 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 is more so like a, on, on, on what I would consider to almost be parable-ish to like uh like something in the in the lane of not and maybe as heavy or as deep or metaphorical but like a japanese pinocchio this is an archetypal story of like okay you know okay. what i'm saying it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like the, with the, the shadow of the brother and like the influence of like corporate greed and like all this stuff this is like this is like the story of american capitalism told through the lens of a japanese cartoon I like I like that a lot. I do. I and and you kind of speaking on like Speed Racer being a little bit of a deep cut, especially for two thousand eight. That's like, a deep I, cut for people, man. I do feel like I don't know why Speed Racer was on my radar as a kid, but not. I think more than anything, like I've never I've never seen it, but I've heard the song, and I think that's as as deep as it goes for a lot of people. Where they're like, you know, Speed Racer. I know the song, you know, and a lot of people. Oh, you mean the one that today. was made for the movie, the one that plays in the credits at the end? The I think I'm thinking more. Go, go, Speed Racer, go. Yeah, the that's go, the go, yeah, the go, Speed Racer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of, and I feel like when I was growing up, I knew that, but I'd never watched the actual. I I don't know if there was an American cartoon or anything, but I feel like, like you're saying, it's a bit of a deep cut, and at most. It's something that someone's heard of as a kid, where yeah. it's like it just, never saw it, but have heard of it. So and the when concept making, went over heads. Yeah, it's, just some, it's actually, movie, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like not it, it, you don't have an immediate connection to it. You just know the name or maybe the song. So that's exactly that's a, so. It might not be pulling you in, you and everybody in your class in whatever grade you were in was like begging parents to go see this kind of thing. It's a film that's great. You know, that film, 
let me draw this to another parallel of a time when I was I was uh, dabbling with things for the first time and watching films and like trying to understand if I even know what the hell is going on. That movie to me reads like the time that I watched, like in the way it flows. Like we were talking about the transitions and how everything's constantly moving and like yeah. how apparently the consensus online is that it lacks uh continuity or some sort of um, weird so weird you know yeah. you know which is which is which Driven is strange plot. and and i get it that like at the beginning it's doing the like you know pre-story current day intercutting you yeah. know or, yes and it gets a little confusing there if you don't know the actual like story itself but you kind of you kind of get 20 15 20 minutes into the movie and you're like am i watching the movie you know because right. of the way the beginning is is moving so quickly and there's no like like steady and stable dialogue until they kind of establish that for you and then they get into the house a little bit and you're getting the family dynamic and starting to tell the story right so for so i had this experience uh this would be pre speed racer but it was like ninth grade maybe 10th grade i remember yeah. being at a friend's place and uh it's probably one of the first times that we ever smoked weed and <laughs> we we watched this is an insane choice for a film i don't think i i mean i couldn't have chosen it i didn't even know okay. what the movie was and in fact the this is the point the entire movie had played and the end credits ro started rolling and I just realized we watched the movie. I was just, I was like, what? And the film is Requiem for a Dream. Really? Okay. And, and and I was just somewhere else. And it's just the way it's moving. And there's just like the the, the way the end is ramping up and it's cutting yeah. so much. And it's just like sensory overload. And then the credits roll. And I was like, oh, like, the, well, those weren't just heavy trailers. That was the movie, dude. Like, right. What? Right. You know what and I mean? But like Speed Racer's moving like that the entire time. Like it's just constantly going, you know? Well, well, that I, I before like before I, I forget about it, I wanted to ask because we touched on it. You dropped acid the first time that you saw this. Do you yeah. do you have any polls from when you did that? Like anything that you remember really sticking out or was it just kind of the, the whole experience being, wow, this this rocks just like the combination I, of the movie and the the trip so visually yeah so there's a bunch of things so visually it's it's extraordinarily pleasing to me um because of the juxtaposition between like the 70s aesthetic of the insides of the houses and yeah. then the like and then the like futurama outside like yeah. it's so hyper real and there's just like so that's that's very pleasing when you're in that head state you're just like you get a break from it sometimes and you're like oh things are kind of normal and then like there's the scene where um speed comes comes back with in the little car with trixie and they've got oh a man gave me this box and then uh love trixie love and, trixie. Then, and then racer x is like who gave it to you? And then he like puts it in the car and throw it down the thing. And then it goes out the driveway and the way it looks outside. And you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause you're already sort of asking yourself like, what's up with the depth of like the way they right. made everything outside. Look, and, then, and then when the box explodes, it's yeah. like, you see, I don't know. So that was really strange to me. So like that immediately I, I was like refreshed on that. Um, like something you had never I, seen before. Yeah, because it was like they set up, nothing actually happened outside. The whole thing happened inside a studio somewhere. It was incredible how they made all of these things look like super, yeah. super real. I loved that so much. Um, another thing that really stood out to me was like moments of dialogue from the commentators during the race. 
all oh, the, the intercutting between different languages. Oh, yeah, and these just, Italian like, guys. And stuff. And yeah, like all this stuff is just so incredible. Like, and there's just like particular moments where these guys are really funny. Like the banter is really funny. Like what they're saying is super, super funny. I loved that. Um, so that registered with me. Um, the the racing scenes themselves are incredible. Like I seem to remember. Yeah. Like I seem to remember. Like oh, this is going to happen here. So good when, when he's racing uh, uh, Cannonball Taylor, and they have that right before he puts the grappling hook under the car and they have that yeah, exchange yeah. where like they flip over each other and then the soundtrack stops and he punches them in the head when the yep. cars are upside down. I was like, I, I remember that was coming. Like I remember like the one dude like <laughs> launching the bees nest into the, you know, I remember like at the end of that whole exchange with cannonball too, like when he ejects the car, like he gets like, he like turns into like bubbles or something like as like yes. a safety mechanism. All of these things were like coming to me, like right as they were, so it's all in my head, which is really crazy. Like, I just loved all the ways that they were able to portray that. But I really liked the juxtaposition of the calm inside the like 70s, like retro aesthetic with John Goodman as like the family man and how the house yeah. feels. And then outside is like flying cars, like super futuristic. It's like, do you live in America or do you live in like this hyper Tokyo thing? Yeah. Like it, it, they were kind of, you know, super, uh, it was, it was interesting. And, um, uh, more apparent to me now than ever because I was explaining to my girlfriend sort of what was happening at the beginning of the film where yep. he's racing at Thunderhead and he's racing the, the ghost trans of brother. Yes, which is like super gaming influenced. The the notion that he's racing the ghost is like yeah. a as like a time trials thing that you would learn in a video game. You'd have to actually understand that reference to know like why that's an acceptable sort of like way to convey that thought. Oh, he's racing yeah. the ghost of his brother's best time. You it's know, um, that's really interesting. Interesting, and and I love it's. I don't know if I love or I'm just fascinated by the he's got to let him win. Like he's he can beat him, but he's got to let him win. I love it. I really yeah, to maintain to maintain the like legacy. the legend of yeah, yeah ab- absolutely you know and then like um yeah the it's a it's a it's a bit of a so, heart wrencher like it's like it it's is, a deep it story is. you know the 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 plastic surgery the the plastic surgery at the end where at the, yeah, end. the reveal the reveal of the plastic surgery and it's not you know he doesn't think it's his brother it's actually his brother just it's very that that's all like oh I, that probably happened in the cartoon in the comics or something like that where yeah that makes a ton of sense i'll so, give you well, one more that really stood out to me which yeah. was the scene with um and i forget the character's name uh the young the younger japanese fellow and the scene where he's with the goons and the whole piranha exchange or whatever oh one yeah the, i wrote down one of the most one of the most intense and my favorite and i had the same exact response to it last night all that's going on and then there's just like the the phone call to the person driving in the front and you realize this whole scene is happening in a moving truck that's why when you dial into the fact that it's all happening in an 18 wheeler i just went oh i had the same response last night i mean it's it's hysterical (laughs) to me and i i forgot about that too until the reveal (laughs) There's a couple of things that I forgot until the reveal, and then I, I wrote down. I wrote down some notes too, but like, nice. so all this stuff, this stuff that you kind of retained and like really stuck out to you while you were tripping while watching the movie for the first time. This is all stuff that like essentially what it sounds like is really resonated with you again, and you're just like, man, this it, it lit it's, me it's up all, again to watch it. Yeah, yeah, that that absolutely rocks. All right, here's what I want to do. <laughs> There's like 15 minutes left before Zoom kicks us off. What I want to do okay. is this. I want to... We could talk about this for like three hours. 
but oh, we're gonna yeah. save the next uh the the next one we do i want to do in person next time that we're on tour or next time that we see each other we'll figure something out we'll do we'll do an in-person it'll be great um amazing can't wait i'm gonna go through my notes a little bit i want you to just think i'm gonna i'm gonna speed through these and i want you to think about like your favorite part what your favorite part is and and basically i'm just gonna highlight a couple of things uh <laughs> i i already had mentioned a lot of this stuff i love the the kissing gag with trixie um yep middle finger in a in a pg movie i love the the little brother flips off uh in the elevator yep, flips off yep. royalty yeah didn't yep. know they could do that in a pg and i love that uh john goodman just <laughs> kicking so much ass ninja more like a nunja love that oh and that is a classic line. And the first time we watched it, we definitely rewinded that <laughs> like numerous times. That is one of the best one-liners ever. So this ninja, is more thing. like a ninja. <laughs> this is this is the thing I think. Other than let me let me do one more before I get to this because I the the there's one that's funny and one that actually means a little something to me. Snake Snake Oil or Snake Oiler. I love I love that name and that middle race is so fucking awesome. And it's insane that when he realizes he's gonna lose, he just takes a gun out and starts firing. That's yeah, like the gun was, comes out and it was so yeah. jarring to me when I first saw that. I was like, Are you serious? They're gonna do this? That's yeah. so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. But the thing that we we touched on before that I really love, and it's kind of like at the core of my values and what I try and think and you being like a, a, a really positive guy too. And just kind of tending to, at least as, as far as like our conversations go, always look on like the, the glass half full brighter side of things. The John Goodman, basically when speed tells his dad that all this stuff's rigged, you know, the stuff that we watch, it's all rigged. It's all, none of it matters or means anything. And he's just like, you, you, who told you that i don't believe that for a second and and the inherent like belief in like no uh there is good in this world and there's magic in this world and to him the magic is racing and it's, it falls in line with like rush spirit of radio or like just like i i feel like this this kind of thing where it's like i'm always willing to give art and magic and you know for them racing is art which, which, you know, especially in this world, you can't argue with how fucking... And his mother has the monologue about that, uh, that watching him race is like watching him paint or create art. Yeah. And they yeah. they even give it to you full stop in the film. They tell yeah. you that. It's... it's I, I resonate a ton with that and that kind of just like, don't let the people who tell you that there's no good win because there is and there's magic and it's fucking awesome. And that's what resonates You got You got uh, one 100%. thing... You got one thing that, that kicked your ass more than anything. I know you, you gave a lot already. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it was, you know, like I said in the beginning, coming back around to um, that monologue from Royalton. It's funny that I got, of all things, I got hung up on that. But yeah. I just loved how, how real it is. Like, I love it when a villain doesn't play games about being the villain. Like when yeah. they write that into the story, when it's like he did such a good job at, at embodying that, and it's funny too that uh, I think we a few paces back we made or I made the inference that it's like the story of American capitalism told through the lens of of like a Japanese cartoon, but then you have Royalton as like the pomp and circumstance, like highly accomplished Brit 
So they didn't really go yeah. like on the nose with using an American. They, you, you know, it's very interesting, but no, it's, um, I mean, dude, you want to talk about drawing parallels to everything we're experiencing now. They're talking about the transponder foundries and like energy and stuff. Like these guys are talking uh-huh. about like, like, you know, uh, if, you know, if, if anyone was paying attention to what goes on in the Swiss Alps a couple weeks ago with everybody uh, getting together to decide how things go up there, we have it in our real world, too. You know, the, the, the WEF absolutely exists. It's the same kind of thing. You know, it's like wherever well, you can say what you want about, how, you know, what we believe about these types of things, whether they really are pulling the levers. Um, you know, that's a, a whole other conversation. But it's funny sure. because in archetypal film and literature these tropes are not made up and not coincidence. So it's so on the nose to see like the corporate greed thing. And it's like, you know, racing isn't really real. It's just about all this stuff, you know, like this, I think it's the second to last race where speed pulls into the, to the finish area, to the victor's lane. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, you see all the flash bulbs go off and then they, they transition into the stock, the stock numbers going up. And I'm just like, that's it right there like that they do such a good job with that you know so really to me it's it's like i love all the uh, the glass uh, full stuff and the hopefulness of it because like that's baked in with a lot of these stories and like that's a given with something like this like it is supposed to be that like you know it's racing it's fast it's forward it's like positive um so that on the surface absolutely that's important but i think the way they show you the like soft white underbelly of the whole thing is like the is, is really what like st- stood out to me and royalty especially in the headspace that i watched it the first time royalty will leave a mark on you like the, the, how intense that character is it's like wow yeah and i think that our two our two polls or our two kind of favorite things about it at, i think story more than like our two favorite things from the story because i think we can both which is hilarious like, considering yeah. the rating yeah 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 and what the and what and what the rotten tomatoes they, oh there's no there's no continuity there's no real story here it's like i don't no, think anybody yeah. was that's crazy you didn't watch the film Just, like movies don't shouldn't have to do everything for you like Jeremy's, did you expect to come you know i don't know jeremy's got a theory that you should have to have a license to be able to not see a movie, but be able to like uh, publicly post about it on the internet. Or that music is such too. a Jeremy take. Yeah, that is such a Jeremy. T- it should be like uh-huh. like kind of like kind of like getting your license for driving. He thinks, which is like I one agree. of his best. Yeah, yeah. It's because people will just people can and will just say anything. You know. Well, the film's not going to do everything for you. You didn't sit down to have it cook you dinner and do your homework. This is something that you pulled up to do to like for you to take away, for you to interpret. It, they didn't get the film wrong. You weren't ready to watch the film. You need to be this this tall IQ wise to ride the speed racer ride. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, the, you just didn't right. meet the occasion. Is, you didn't understand the funny. assignment. Which is funny because it's like it can it can operate as that for us, and then also just like for a 10 year old forget about 10 like a six-year-old being like that looks awesome and i love racing like that's it, and it on the surface on that's all yeah. which is which also actually speaks to the entire theme which is that speed is enamored with just like no for me it's positive like you can't tell me it's corrupt like all i know is the positive nature of this thing i'm talented at it i'm just gonna go forward so a kid sees that and just goes it's incredible but what you didn't realize and just like with a lot of childhood stories and things like to go back to Pinocchio. That's just dark, yeah. dude. If you on the surface, it's like, oh, it's a fairy tale. It is super twisted and very, very dark oh, yeah. and extremely real. 
Yeah, yeah. You it's, know, it's, Lord of the Flies, uh, any of these types of things. Absolutely I, terrifying. I want to use this as a transition again into the game, and we'll we'll fly through the game, and more than anything, we'll just we'll it, it's it's really just to talk about the Wachowski. So the Wachowski sisters, like essentially, th- there's no like, what's the word I'm looking for? No coincidence that this movie like has all of this kind of like. Uh, like what we've been talking about, kind of the corporate, uh, the the corporate greed, evil, you know, the big the big head of these companies always looking out for themselves and money ultimately because they they when they made the Matrix and stuff like that, like they they definitely experienced a lot of that and like they they kind of did it right where they were able to yeah. somehow get the big budget but also make something that is got a little bit more substance to it and which plenty of people can do but they did it their second movie essentially with the matrix and and that's not something that everyone can do especially it's kind of like music too where you know in our world sure like there is there's there's kind of an appetite for a little bit weirder even right off the hop but like in a bigger like a bigger band like rush is a good example where they kind of blew up um and we're getting bigger and then they were able to kind of like and and I, I they're a weird example because they're they weren't doing great with the rock stuff like fly by night and the self-title and and crest of steel but when they started <laughs> yep. to turn up the 2112 hemispheres that's when people latched on but they had because they had the the kind of like groundwork they were able to do that but this is you know pretty much who the wachowskis are and what they stand for the matrix being what what that kind of stands for and what that says too it's it all falls in line with kind of their beliefs and just the movies that they make and and i i love that but all right totally consistent yes yeah they they rock but okay we're gonna fly through this because we're gonna kicked off in like five minutes i'm gonna give you some i'm gonna give you some multiple choice and you just you just you you just whatever you whatever you think. The name of the game is you just got juiced. And basically I pick either an <laughs> actor or the directors or whatever, and then we just do it's a vehicle for conversation essentially. But they're okay. all arbitrary, stupid questions. Uh one right. the Wachowski sisters were born in A, New York City, B, La La Land, C, Chicago, D, Miami, Florida. Uh Chicago. Yep, you got it. Boom. Um Wow. Uh, I, I had a question for Slated Wachowski's movie, but they've got nothing. Uh, there's no rumblings of anything, which is kind of a bummer. I know that fourth Matrix just came out, but only one of them did it. Um, but either way, okay. which, act, which actor have the Wachowskis most collaborated with? Uh, a, Keanu Reeves, B, Mila Kunis, C, Huging Weave, uh, Hugo Weaving, D, John Goodman. Is it Keanu? It isn't, but it's it's really close because the most it's Hugo Weaving and the most he's in all of the Matrix movies, but he's also in Cloud Atlas. And so basically someone like Keanu is in all of the Matrix movies, and that's the most that anyone's really collaborated with them other than Hugo being also in one of their other movies. Um, I was checking to see if he was in Speed Racer, but he, he wasn't. No, yeah, Keanu's not not uh not bopping around. Not Keanu, there, but um, he Hugo. would be fun. Hugo. Oh no, no, but that but that would be uh that would be a resounding okay. five. I was I was just checking to see if he snuck in anywhere. Okay, keep yeah. going. Uh, okay, this one's a dirty trick, but that's what the game is. Um, <laughs> Academy Award wins. I am going to list four movies. You can tell me if they've won anything, or it, so it can be zero, or it can be one, two, three, or four. So. Here are your options. A, The Matrix, 
A, uh, B, the Matrix Re- Reloaded, C, Speed Racer, D, Cloud Atlas. The, uh, the Matrix? No? Did the Matrix not no, no, receive they, a claim? It, no, didn't do anything. Didn't do... So, zero wins, and they've never even been nominated. Um, So, that's the dirty, tr- that's the dirty oh, trick that's, right there. That is a travesty. Yeah, that it, is, it's... Uh... It's, I think it's one of those ahead of its time type of things where it's all I, of I, these films. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't expect like something like Speed Racer to get like Academy love, but oh, like, no, that one was never going to get it. But, but you know what? At the same time, like they do give nominations for insane, like they give insane nominations sometimes. And like giving them a technical for some of the visual stuff, like I, I, I'm curious to see what. And if we didn't, one of the best looking movies of yeah. all time. I agree. Like, it's, it's one of the, and one of the most interesting. Um, yeah. But all right, three three quick last ones, and they're not multiple choice, but we'll just we'll just go through them really quick. Their highest grossing movie in the U.S. is The Matrix Reloaded, made two hundred eighty one mil, and highest grossing worldwide is Matrix Reloaded, which worldwide made seven thirty eight mil. Not so bad, not so bad. And wow. the newest movie that they put out uh, together is Jupiter Ascending. Have you seen this? I haven't. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta do Jupiter Ascending, which, again, is one that, like, bad critically. People people hate this movie, but there are people who, who go to bat for it and are like, nope, people just don't really understand it on that. It's worth a watch? I, I think it's probably worth a watch. If if their track record indicates, even when exactly. people claim, oh, no good. You know, uh, yes, exactly. sometimes very good. Uh, but, yeah. Aaron, this was a lot of fun. and um, Yeah, dude. Dude, I'm excited. I I believe I'm going to be seeing you in May when you come around here with Spirit Box and After the Burial. That'll be sick. Yes. We'll yes. get to hang out a little bit and you're you're recording. We have two nights in New York, so where we can oh, do, yeah. actually do a hang. Yeah, so That'll be nice. For sure. I'll I'll come to the and first then, night yeah. so that way you can we can we can actually hang. It'll be nice. I cannot wait. It's going to be sick. And and you guys are recording a record soon, which is going to be very cool. Heard some of the demos already and they sound so sick. It's Thank a vibe. You, man. It's a fucking I'm excited. Lot. All right. Good I stuff. Will, well, thanks for having me on, pal. 100% uh won't be uh won't be your last episode and we'll we'll figure out what the next one's going to be. But um dude, this was great and I'll uh I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. I'll see you soon, buddy. Later.